Hello and welcome to Teaching English with the British Council, a podcast in which we try and provide solutions to some of the key questions being asked by English teachers around the world. Teaching English with the British Council. I'm your host, Chris Salton. In each episode, we address one such question and attempt to answer it in two ways. Teaching English with the British Council. In the first part of each episode, we hear from a British Council project, programme or publication about something which is being done to address this issue. Across the ten episodes of the series, we hear from teachers, trainers and researchers in a wide range of contexts, including India, Lebanon, Uruguay and South Africa. Teaching English with the British Council In the second part, a leading English expert and practitioner will provide practical solutions which you can immediately try out wherever you work. Each episode of Teaching English is accompanied by a full transcript and show notes. These show notes provide additional information, a glossary of key words and links to relevant websites. Teaching English with the British Council This is episode 6. How can I teach effectively in challenging contexts? Welcome to episode 6 of Teaching English with the British Council, in which we will try to answer the question, how can I teach effectively in challenging contexts? When discussing this question, the first thing we need to do is understand what we mean by challenging contexts. Clearly, this is not a straightforward thing to do, and language teaching challenges come in many different shapes and forms. From a teacher perspective, three examples of challenging circumstances are the expectation that teachers use a medium of instruction which does not maximise the learning experience or outcomes, that teachers have insufficient textbooks and other learning resources, and that teachers in institutions are on the front line of challenging political and social change, but are not supported in managing these situations. They are expected to be catch-all experts for many of society's problems. Throughout this episode, we will explore these issues and many others facing teachers working in challenging circumstances. First up, in this episode's field report, we go to Nigeria to learn about an innovative British Council project taking place in one of its most populous states. Working with partners including Tal Africa, as well as local and national levels of government, this FCDO-funded project is trying to address long-standing issues at primary school in children's learning to read, do simple arithmetic and develop skills in other languages. For hundreds of years, Kano in northern Nigeria has been a center of commerce for trans-Saharan trade. Kano city has a population of around 4 million people and Kano state about 20 million. Like many other places in Nigeria and sub-Saharan Africa more widely, Kano faces many challenges in terms of children attaining foundational literacy and numeracy skills. 
Although more children than ever before are attending school, the quality of education which they are getting is mixed. The impact of COVID-19 has put additional pressure on an already fragile system, meaning that in Kano, many children finish primary school without these foundational skills. Hello, my name is Habib Saleh and I'm the program manager of Kalma, the Kano Literacy and Mathematics Accelerator. What we are trying to do with this program is to help children in Kano improve their math, Hausa and English skills in a fun but effective way. The focus of the program is on what children can do rather than what they know. And the methodology used is activity rather than curriculum based. We also make sure that activities are inclusive and gender sensitive. So make a sheet in English. Red At the heart of the Kalma program is an approach called TAL, teaching at the right level. The aim of TAL is to improve children's learning outcomes as well as their learning experiences by grouping of children according to their learning level rather than their age or grade level. In the context of Kano, this was a very radical thing to do. However, lots of research shows that children learn more effectively when they learn with students who are at the same level. This also makes things easier for the teachers. We asked Hasia, one of the Kalma master trainers, about the impact which teaching at the right level has had. You see, in relation to classroom experience, it has made the work of teachers easier because it has brought about improved teacher-people relationship. It has also equipped them with design-level-wise activities and materials to work with through effective time management strategies. The key noticeable outcome for people also include improved literacy and numeracy skills, improved classroom participation through fun activities, cooperative learning and engagement with assorted learning materials. And the approach has also made pupils more confident and teachers more passionate in the teaching and learning activities, having seen the interest and improvement of the pupils to learning over time. <laughs> Okay, so in a sense, yeah, tomato in the market. Uh, money, could you go? Yes. Now as I'm buying, yeah. In English. Hundred naira, uh huh. Hundred and fifty, uh huh, good. Eighty naira, good, uh huh. So in the abundance, in a zamba was so catchy. From a language perspective, one of the most interesting and important parts of the program is the dual language approach. The approach uses the children's home language, which for most of the children in Kano is Hausa, to help them learn English. In Kano schools, this was a very new approach. Before, the teachers would only use the target language. In Kalma, however, teachers use a more multilingual approach to learning language, which improves the learning experience as well as the learning outcome. One example of a dual language activity which children in the Kalma program love to do is jumping on the letters. Let's listen to Najaha to using this activity with some of our students. Before the children arrive, Najaha to draws a 3 by 3 grid on the floor of our classroom. 
and writes a Hausa letter in each space, making nine letters in total. Once the children settle, she tells them what they are going to do. Najahatu now asks for a volunteer to say one of the letters on the floor. This is then repeated several times so that all the children are familiarized with all nine letters. Najahatu now gets the children to use the letters by asking them to make words. They have to jump between the letters in order to spell these words out. In this example, she asked Ibrahim to spell out Biu, the house word for the number two. Why is it once the children have secured the meaning and spelling of the word, they are asked to contextualize it and use it in a meaningful sentence. When the children know what to do, they can work together in smaller groups and play the activity. They can either make their own letter grids on the floor or use letter cards. So why is this about a view a jumla? Why is this about a view a jumla? Umuko. Subi skata pakaswa. Vedache? Subi skata pakaswa. Jumla tachika? Jumla tachika? So they can ungode. This gives them more practice and makes the learning child centered. After this, the stages of the activity are repeated, but this time the focus is on English rather than Hausa. Can you spell T? T. T. Can you spell fish? We can see the children are able to use a language which they are familiar with, Hausa, as a bridge to the unfamiliar language, namely English. One of the other benefits of this activity is that it keeps the children active and engaged throughout the session. Every Kalma facilitator is given a booklet which contains lots of different dual language activities which they can use in their classrooms. These activities include telling stories, creating mind maps, using rhymes, dictating drawings, and interpreting pictures. There are also ideas about how more traditional and teacher-centered classroom activities, such as copying and dictation, can be made more fun and child-centered. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Good. 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 Yeah.
Teaching English with the British Council. Thanks to all those who contributed to this episode's field report. And you can find out more about the Kalma programme in our show notes. In the second part of this episode, we talked to Mohammed Weiss, a programme coordinator of the NGO Wave of Hope at the Nea Kavala refugee camp in northern Greece, close to the Macedonian border. Welcome to the podcast, Vice. Thank you so much, dear Chris. Uh, so, Vice, could you perhaps begin by telling us a little bit about your context, where you are, who's living there, and where people are originally from? Thank you so much for today. I'm in Nekavala now. Most of the people, the population of here are uh, from Afghanistan. And there are some people uh, from African, from Somalia, from Iraq and from Syria and also from Iran that they are living in the camp. But the population of Afghan community is too much and high. Could you tell us a little bit about the educational work that you're doing in Nekavala and why it's so important to the people living there? Well, uh, when we arrived in Nekavala camp, Although uh, we had a lots of uh, bad experience of Moria camp and Lesbos Island of uh, Greece, the situation slowly got uh, the same. The number of uh, people increased day by day. Every day there were fights uh, between people and this conflict getting worse and worse. Day by day, large number of young people and obstacles were under lots of stress due to the difficult uh, living condition in the camp, uh, stacking in asylum process, as well as restriction uh, due to COVID-19. Many wanted to try some legal ways like addict to drugs, fight with each others uh, and each see. We suffered a lot and uh, as sensitive and humanitarian human being, we think uh, how to help uh, these people. Finally, we decided to do something that both uh, interrogated people and saved them from this uh, misery. And uh, we just found a school, a branch of the Wave of Hope uh, school in Nekavala. And uh, in the beginning, we had uh, 300 uh, students, and which we uh, was 16 or 17 volunteers, uh, and the teachers that they was uh, teaching them uh, English, Farsi, German, uh, and French, and also art uh, classes that we started here, Nekavala. And so you see education then in Nekavala as having two main purposes. One for the possible futures of the students that you're teaching, but also to keep them occupied and to give them a positivity and motivation in their everyday life as well. All the people in the camps that they're leaving, especially the young ages like children, are the futures of Europe, let's say. That's why I decided to just found uh, this school in here and to in case just uh, do their life uh, and uh, make their dreams, you know. It was uh, an amazing action from my side, as I'm thinking. And you put a lot of emphasis on learning languages in the camp. So they're learning Farsi, which is 
the mother tongue of most of the children there, but then also English, French and German as well. Yeah, that was in the beginning. But for now, we are doing many things. The school is all our activities. In the beginning, we face a lot of difficulties, a lot of bad days. But now uh, everything is much organized. Uh, and with the support of uh, refugee aid, or like we make some training for our teachers. We make uh, more things like officially. And that's very nice. And uh, we make it like uh, much better. And now we are doing many activities beside uh, the education system. We have sport activities for the women, men, children, like football, volleyball, yoga, gym or some stuff like this and also art classes like paintings like some handmade or knitting something for the women and music classes because that's an important one and now we have a big space that we are doing weekly activity and also we are doing cinema every night for the children that we're playing cartoons and some other stuff some other songs like baby shark that there make them happy let's say and uh, baby shark baby shark is everywhere yeah (laughs) most (laughs) of the kids uh, love it you know (laughs) and uh, it's somehow that they make their lives uh, a little bit better much happier uh, their condition camp English language, though, is still a, a core part of what you do in the camp, English language development. Could you say a little bit about why people see it as so important? Because the English language is something that they can use it everywhere. And the other thing is that the people that they are facing, it's their communication. With the English language, we just say that let's do this to in case uh, the people can solve their issues or they're asking their problems by communication because if they will don't know anything they cannot make communication because english is something that everyone knows and it's an international language and that's why we make it uh, to in case they can use it everywhere and most of the people they know from all, all the com- countries can you say a little bit about how the english classes take place what kind of things the teachers are doing, what kind of materials they use, what's the teaching methodology which they employ. In the beginning, we just had some classes from 7 in the evening until 11 in the night. Due to the warm situation in the place that we had, we couldn't have the classes also from 11 to 3. The other volunteers had their classes early in the morning and after 3. Beside the classes, like there are some other activities for the women, like beauty classes and making nails, like kindergarten for the kids, to just a uh, safe place for the kids in case come and uh, play for a while, to have fun for a while. And it must have been quite challenging, Vice, because if it's nine, ten o'clock at night, it's pretty cold. People are tired because they may have been working in the day. How do you motivate a class like that? How do you get them interested in learning English in that situation? It was a very difficult period because uh, everyone was depressed. They had many stress about their future plans, about their legal status in uh, here, about the condition that they were facing uh, in the camp, uh, about the future of their children. There was many difficulties that we faced, but still we continued. We didn't give up. We just find a way to teach them 
motivate them and this teach them uh, or help or support them with their uh, English language. You said some of your students were depressed at this time and struggling. Did you find that their mental situation or how they their mental health affected how they were able to learn? As I mentioned you before, we just find a way. Let's say we had some games like fun games also like one two times per week in case just not get bored about the our the classes that's why most of our lessons was like we we were trying to do it much funnier or much uh, different in case they can try to get it because otherwise uh, we cannot push them to learn but for the children's uh, and for the teenagers there was some that we cannot, uh, we didn't face a lot of uh, difficulties because um, their parents, like their fathers and their mothers, was had uh, all the tensions or their families. The teenagers and the kids uh, didn't aware of what uh, what will happen. That's why we uh, we was all the time mentioning them that you need to think our future. All these days will pass and uh, you you will have a future. You need to focus on your future. You need to work for your future. It was uh, something that we talk about that. In my previous experiencing of working with, with refugee groups, often they can see English language classes as a safe space and a place where they can develop ideas or they can talk or they can feel sort of more comfortable. Is that something that you find in your work in Neokavala? Yes, yes, uh, that's true. Our classes, uh, inside uh, the classes that we had it was uh, a class like open space it was a a big uh, wrap hole or a tent a big tent that it was uh, broken on the side and the people was walking around uh, in the beginning and after that when we receive a base or make a space this Space that we had, it was covered, and the, uh, they was free. They had the, all the independent uh, ways to to share their ideas, and also for the teachers, it was very nice to mention and to support uh, and to have a good lesson for their students. And what would you say are some of the particular challenges for teachers working in Nayakavala? The teachers that they're, uh, the difficulties that the teachers are facing, it's uh, their their schedule, they say, how to make their schedule, because they don't have a specific uh, books, like uh, in the school they have or in the other places that they're using, to in case continue. It takes time for the teachers, let's say, days and nights they're waiting they're just uh, doing uh, preparing for the, the next classes because they will make by what should i do in my next lesson if you will have a schedule or a book you everything will go much better and easier if you will not have any book if you will uh, continue by yourself it's difficult for you to make the all the preparation for the next lessons one hour two or sometimes three hours even for myself in the beginning we had the, we faced many difficulties to prepare for the classes for the next classes the this is the, the difficult uh, part in my opinion uh, i think 
And just a final question, Vice. We heard earlier a field report from uh, northern Nigeria. I was just wondering if you'd heard anything in that report that you thought was interesting or could be useful in the context that you're working in. I think it's very useful and uh, it's a very good communication to in case they motivate the, the people that they're here. And uh, we do also a project in our uh, school that uh, we call Correspondence Project and um, that the students in here will write uh, letters and then they will send it to other students that they are uh, in uh, all over the Europe or all, all over the world and then they will back send a reply. I think this is a uh, main this very good uh, things in case uh, have uh, to motivate them. It's a good feeling for uh, everyone. Vice, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you so much for you too. Teachers are the fundamental and essential building blocks of the whole educational process. Even when there are wider challenges, they still have the power to make significant changes in their own classrooms and to support their students in the best possible way. This is not to say these changes are easy, but we have to do whatever we can. Sometimes it may just be a very small change which can have a big impact on a school, a class or even just an individual student. Thank you for listening to this episode of Teaching English with the British Council. We hope you enjoyed it. Please do like, subscribe and review. And please remember to download the show notes and transcript. Join us next time for episode 7 where we will try to answer the question... How can I integrate the Sustainable Development Goals into my teaching? Until then, goodbye. Teaching English with the British Council.